Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Orchid Blooms podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am the host and creator of Orchid Blooms podcast. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Orchid Eye Brown. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. This particular episode was supposed to be out last week, but unfortunately I had so much going on. I signed up for Ottawa elections. Usually I do um, Elections Canada, which is a federal government version where I help out uh, for the election day when people come in to cast their ballots for the party that they want to support as well as um, help their their candidate become prime minister of canada but this time it's ottawa elections and i've never done ottawa elections i've done i've done canada elections twice and the ottawa elections well it's just for the city so basically they are trying to elect a mayor and some people for the school board and lots of boards all over the place so i've never done it before so i went for the training last week which was um like one to four i wanted to do the 9 a.m um training session but unfortunately i had something to do in the morning and uh, it was a long session the people that were providing the training were was very well informed and they handled everything perfectly stupid me forgot my pen in the car because i was trying to find parking and they allowed us to park on the grass because so many people showed up for one to four for training and um i met some people they seem really nice i find this a lot a lot more elders for for the ottawa elections than there is for the the federal government elections so it was interesting seeing a a few people and they took their their job very seriously so october 24th will be the election for ottawa where we decide on who will be mayor i know jim watson has held down the fort for a few years now and it might be time for a change but i'm not really sure if that's wise we've gotten so used to jim watson and he's i don't believe he's uh, on the ballot i didn't see him but i think it's it's time for him to go so i did the training last week and it was just completely hectic last week and i really wanted to produce this episode last week i wanted to to do uh one episode per week at a time um i was even talking to a friend about uh considering uh dropping about two episodes per week instead of just one episode per week but based on the fact that this year has been so busy i am not even sure if i'm going to have the time to drop two episodes per week but i might surprise you sometime this year um you know when it's not so busy and just drop two and surprise (laughs) you have two episodes this week enjoy and maybe take a week off i'm not i'm not sure we'll see what what happens but for now i just wanted to tell you about this new adventure that i'm going on uh for ottawa elections and learning about that i believe the position that i have is going to be elections assistant so i'm looking forward to that i really am i hope i hope i see more I don't know. I just hope that it turns out great and well. So I've already booked off October 24th uh, so that I can participate in in this day. I now have to now plan my lunches, bring all my my lunch bag, my juices and everything inside and be completely ready to um, 
sit there or be around and run around for an entire full day. So yes, I wanted to share that good news. Um, since I missed last week, I need you to know it was worth it. It was completely worth it. So today's topic is on Pinocchio syndrome. I definitely want to apologize because my voice is a bit off. Um, for some apparent reason, allergies went through the entire summer. My allergies, I'm allergic to what trees, grass, cats, dogs, dust, you name it. So since spring started up until now, I'm still struggling with my allergies. And unfortunately, using Claritin or Reactin, it's not working. I think it works for like a few days and then it stops working. So I have not been successful at clearing up this allergy thing. So my voice is usually a bit off. I mean, I'm drinking a lot of water. This season's a time for warm beverages because it is fall. So I'm hoping to, you know, find those herbal things and buy a bunch of them and drink tea every single day. I know that drinking lemon tea or lime tea has been very helpful with some honey in it, but I forgot to do it this morning. Instead, I decided to drink some coffee because I need that boost. I've been working nonstop, you know, almost seven days a week. I think I only get like one day off. And um, and I just needed some energy to record this podcast episode. So you're going to be stuck with my allergy, my allergy voice, um, the stuffiness, the, the dust is everywhere, the wind is blowing and the temperature is changing. So unfortunately, I just wanted to apologize. I'm sure you guys noticed in the previous podcast episode that my voice was a bit off as well. And that is only because of my allergies and the the change in, in weather we went from warm to cold in a very short period of time and so bear with me a little bit pinocchio syndrome wouldn't it be funny if all liars would experience the pinocchio effect for every lie their nose would grow but keep in mind that's not the pinocchio syndrome we aren't so lucky because everyone has lied at some point in time could you imagine a world filled with big nose people including kids. That would be scary if that was really what the Pinocchio syndrome was about. Pinocchio syndrome is a condition in which people have a tendency to lie even when there is no need to do so. Sounds like a compulsive liar to me, but let's continue. The Pinocchio effect is when you lie, your nose temperature rises. The temperature increases around the nose and in the orbitable muscle in the inner corner of your eye. So I guess you walk around with red nose. I don't know about growing of nose, but I do know that you just have red nose whenever you are lying. I am not sure if this is true or real. Uh, they are still conducting ongoing studies on this theory. I can't say it has been proven at all. I know some people experience an increase in temperature in their cheek area when they are embarrassed. Some people experience an increased temperature in their face or under their pits when they are scared or nervous. I am the type of person that when I am stressed, you see it on my face in various ways. The temp, the color changes, um, it just looks blah, it looks dull, I look exhausted, and that's due to stress, and I, it shows on my face. There are other parts of my body where I start to bloat in the stomach area if I'm stressed. So it seems to me that there are just certain conditions that we go through depending on what we are going through. 
And again, these are reactions. Our body's reacting to something that we are experiencing in that moment in time. We all react differently to certain emotions in our lives and what we're going to, or what we are experiencing in that moment in time. But we are not sure if Pinocchio syndrome has been proven to be true, as I mentioned before. It sounds like a theory to me. This theory is considered to be a science. It's scientists working on figuring out the Pinocchio syndrome. Now that we're on the topic of lying, a lot of people have their own way of detecting when someone is lying to them, including myself. Here are some popular signs. The first is being vague, offering few details. There is also repeating questions before answering them. And oh my God, have I met someone like that? God, it's so annoying. And every single time they answer a question with a question, I call them out. I just don't have time for this. Like, stop lying to me. And third, speaking in sentence fragments and appearing uncomfortable. The fourth is failing to provide specific details when a story is challenged. Five, grooming habits such as playing with hair or pressing fingers to lips. But these things can also be seen as nervous behaviors. So I would not use these things as a detection for lie. That's just my opinion. Number six, an unusual fall or rise in vocal tone, which could also mean they're experiencing a strong emotions, but sure. Number seven, direction of their eyes, lack of eye contact. That is a big deal for me. If you're going to lie, you better look me in the eye and lie to me straight, you motherfucker. Number eight, Covering their mouth or eyes. I think I've seen this before, but I never really thought of it as a detection for lies. I believe when I was watching the Amber Heard trial and uh, they showed a, a video of her first deposition in the beginning of all of her accusations where she slipped up. And when she slipped up, her eyes bulged and then her hands immediately went to her mouth to show that she just accidentally slipped up in her lie. And so that was the first time I've ever seen that before. I've never seen that with regular people. So the covering their mouth or eyes is something that I, I was like, wow, okay, it does happen. All because I, I saw it in the, the Amber Heard um, Johnny Depp trial over the summertime. So number nine, excess fidgeting, stuttering, pausing, and clearing the throat. Keep in mind, I clear my throat all the time because I struggle with allergies. So if someone ever thinks that I'm lying because I clear my throat or if because I pause because I'm trying to think of the question and answer it accurately, sure. But I did date a guy who always fidgeted when he knows he did something wrong, but he wasn't necessarily lying at the time. He was just fidgeting a lot. So I'm definitely going to keep the fidgeting, uh, stuttering, pausing, and clearing of the throat in, in mind. But I do pause when I'm telling a story and someone asks a question that maybe challenges it, and then I can break it down. And I do clear my throat because I just have allergies. I get stuffed up, uh, congested very often. So like I said, some of these things uh, I, I don't really use because anything could be happening in that moment with that person especially if they're not used to confrontation uh, and they need to get themselves together to handle the situation accurately. So number 10 on the list, uh, finger pointing and deflecting attention from the issue. Oh my God, yes. That I believe 100%. This is something that I've noticed with a lot of liars. When you've caught them, 
and you've put their back against the wall, they either start pointing fingers at you and accusing you of what you're accusing them of, or they start to deflect to try to get you to stop paying attention to them. It makes them uncomfortable that you're staring at them and you are pushing. So this one is usually uh, something that is a, a red flag for me, especially when it comes to people that lie. And I stand by that one, 100%. And number 12, reddening slightly on the face and the neck. I can't believe I can't even pronounce that word. Redditing. Redditing. Red. Oh my goodness. Every season, especially when I'm congested, as I am currently, and have um, allergies, I have issues pronouncing certain words. I think it was two years ago I had an issue pronouncing sausages. And this was, this was during this time of year. It's for some apparent reason when fall hits, there's certain words that I cannot pronounce for that year. So two years ago, it was pumpkin or sausage. The year after, it was pumpkin. I couldn't say pumpkin to save my life last year. And now I found a new word for this year, which is reddening, reddening. Gosh, I can feel it just hitting the back of my my throat and it's so stuffed like I'm breathing through my mouth most of the time because I cannot breathe through my nose due to congestion and I even bought pills for it. So it's not working. Anywho, number 13, um, avoiding eye contact and shifting eyes. I think I've already mentioned that. So we're going to skip the number 13 and go to the next one, which is rubbing stroking and pulling on nose that i've never seen before but i would love to see someone do that when they're lying to me i have a feeling i would laugh in their face because that's weird <laughs> like are you serious why are you giving your your nose a hand job that's just odd to me while you're lying but good luck with that number 14 uh, or yeah number 14 making a slip of the tongue while denying something and the amber heard and johnny depp case with her on the stand watching everything and and watching her slip up in her lie is definitely this i've seen this number 14 definitely seen this making a slip of the tongue while denying something and she did it so often i was like why did you put her on the stand for three days straight just to have her contradict every single damn lie she said i was sitting there shocked shocked if you haven't watched it, I feel so bad for you. That was one of the best reality TV I've ever seen. And it's real life. Reality TV has nothing on real life human experience, I tell you. Number 15, standing in defensive position with arms crossed over chest. Okay, that part I'm not going to take too seriously because I do that often and I'm not lying when I do that. It's because I'm tired. Whenever I'm tired or I'm just tired of dealing with somebody or I just don't like this person in front of me, I start to fold my, my arms. Um, but that's what I, what I do. Or if I'm just really tired, as I mentioned, especially if I didn't have enough sleep the night before, I'm a big-chested girl. Like, I have big breasts. So I kind of need to fold my arms to give my tits some support, especially when all I want to do is lie down and chill and do nothing. Maybe just sit there and watch Netflix for hours four hours that's all i want to do when i'm tired so when i go out in public everyone's like oh why are you folding your arms i'm like because i'm fucking tired get off my back you think i'm lying to you when i tell you this th this looks good no if i'm tired i'm gonna tell you the truth because i just don't have the damn energy but right now i'm just tired so this is the part where i don't necessarily like 
arms crossed over chest is not something that I would consider uh, as a, a means to detect when someone is lying to you. The defensive position, yes. But keep in mind, I put up a lot of defensive positions, especially at work when someone comes over and they start being super nice, but they're about to get into accusing you of something that you didn't do. I have my defensive position up. So I, I definitely, I cannot say completely that the last one is a way to, to identify if someone is, is uh, lying to me. Because depending on how you start the conversation and how you're accusing them of of something, they're going to be defensive. You're going to have a defensive uh, posture in any situation due to the fact that it's how you went about it. And that reaction is what you're going to get because of that. So that's just my opinion on that sense. I wouldn't necessarily have that be my one of the sole things that would help me to detect if someone is lying to me or not. With the Pinocchio syndrome, not many people have a reactive skin. So you may see the temperature in their nose area. Some people may scratch their nose or around the nose due to some feeling in their nose, like a tingling sensation. So how do you know this theory is true unless they compulsively touch their nose or scratch their nose in that area or rub around the nose every time they lie? Once you truly know someone, you can tell when they are lying and you don't necessarily need them to have red nose or a red sensation around their nose to be able to tell that. When you've invested yourself in somebody completely, that could be a relationship or a friendship, you are able to see the tells and sometimes the tells are are not subtle they sometimes they are some people are so good at at lying cuz they've gotten so used to it that you won't be able to tell if it's truth or a lie but over time after you get into gotten to know this person you will be able to see the tells or how they start the conversation how how they behave how they go about it everything all of their mannerism, all of their behaviors, you'll be able to read through it. And it's different for every person. So all of the signs that I gave you as a, as a means to detect someone that's lying is not necessarily going to work on every single person. Not everyone is the same. So now that I've mentioned compulsion, let's go into compulsive, habitual, and pathological lies or liars, I must say. Like I stated before, we are all guilty of lying from time to time, but some people lie more frequently than anyone else. They lie without cause. Pathological lying is a symptom of various personality disorders, including antisocial, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Histrionic, of course, means melodrama of a character. And yes, we have met some of those people who are just so dramatic. I can be dramatic at times, but I definitely would not put myself in a in a personality disorder kind of category because I'm I'm so dramatic at times. It just means that I have a lot of energy and I have a lot that needs to come out and I need to just unload it because I do tend to hold things in and I keep things inside of me. And then when it's time to just unleash everything, I just let it go. And once I speak it and put it out into the universe, it's gone. And I never have to hold on to it again. And once it's gone, I go back to just being at peace. Just at peace. Lies are not considered uh, to be pathological. 
but the compulsive need of the individual to lie is considered to be pathological. Thankfully, this is treatable, so they need to go and see a professional. (laughs) I personally view pathological lying as a form of nervousness. Keep in mind, this has not been proven, but hear me out. I view it this way because it is similar to compulsive shopping, in my opinion, compulsive stealing. You don't need it, but you can't help it. Again, being a pathological liar, you don't need cause to do it. You just do it. You are addicted to the guilt, but in this case, I don't feel like a lot of pathological liars actually feel guilt for lying because they're just they're just so used to it. I am not saying pathological liars feel guilt every time they lie i don't especially if they're new at it and they just started getting into lying constantly maybe they might feel a little bit of guilt but i think over time especially if you're dealing with a professional liar i call them professional liars because they've been doing it for years um then i don't really think that they they feel any guilt guilt they could actually believe the lie themselves Just like serial cheaters, they can't help themselves. If they think they aren't cheating while cheating, (laughs) or they're not cheaters while cheating, um, in their minds, they aren't cheaters because it's in their mind. It's like narcissistic people are always the victim. They could do no wrong. Pathological think the exact same way. You can't tell them anything because they are great. They don't have a problem. You are the problem. If you want to support them, enable them, and believe their lies, then you have to understand that they can't help themselves. There is no clear benefit to to their lies, but not to them and not to you, but for some reason, they just can't help themselves. It is because they want attention, in my opinion, or they they get pleasure from upsetting you. You never know. You will never know what motivates them to compulsively lie all the time. If you stop providing a reaction to their lies, how do they take it? And if you decide to lie to them and tell them it's all in their head, do they appreciate it? I don't recall any liars ever truly appreciating someone using their tactics against them. And I'm really that petty. So every time I bump into a liar, I give them back the exact same energy that they gave me. And trust me, you should see the look on their face of shock. Like, oh my God, I met someone who's just as good as what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, bitch. So that's just me. I I don't know what it is. I take pleasure in giving back what you gave me. So maybe that says that I'm either a sociopath or a narcissist. I don't know. You guys tell me. But I just, I just like teaching people that what they are doing, I want you to experience how people are affected by what you are doing to them because I don't appreciate it and I know no one else appreciates it, but if you're not understanding that what you're doing is hurting somebody else and you don't seem to care, I feel that it is your time to get it back. And when you get it back, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you relish in what you have done to other people and truly feel it. That way, when you do apologize, you understand what they're going through. You can now say, okay, I realize what I've been doing all these years is really that bad. Yes, bitch, that's right. So 
I'm not saying I'm a hero when I do these things. I'm not doing it because I want to be a hero. I do it because I want you to feel what other people are feeling. Because if you are not sympathizing with your victims, and if you're not empathizing with how the person is is feeling and when they're expressing their feeling to you and you're not receiving it, I, I want you to understand by feeling it yourself. Feeling it yourself will help you to grow as an individual and help you to change as an individual. So I don't mind when you come to my doorstep and stand in front of me and start giving me the same treatment that you've given so many other people and have hurt them in that way by constantly lying. I'm going to give it right back to you and I hope you swallow it and I hope you enjoy it because I am serving this table with lots of food and every single bite you take, it's a good lie. I've always felt that in order to teach someone the error of their ways, you need to give it right back to them. Um, there's a lot of people who have done things that they did not think past what they were doing, think past their actions. They've always just never understood the reaction. And so in that case, I always say to people, I hope you get back exactly what you give so you can completely understand why this reaction was was warranted so that's just my thought process um usually all those people who have done ill towards me or towards other people who have experienced that action be done onto them have usually usually changed the way they moved after that and have recognized that what they've done is hurtful and to not do it again and they usually stop. They usually do. So that's just my experience that I'm referring to. I cannot say that it's going to be that way for everyone else. But in my experience and what I've known and from my own history of handling not just liars, but everyone else could be cheaters. I'm one of those people. If you cheat on me, I'm going to cheat on you back. And I want you to know it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um and in, and in that case it's like you finally understand how it truly feels to do what you have done to how many people now let's get into the three types of lies the white lie gray lie and real lie white lies are what most people use in my opinion and i've done the white lies depending on who i'm dealing with especially if this person needs you to lie to them and they appreciate it i will give it to them white lies are meant to avoid hurting someone's feelings or to get out of uncomfortable social situations the point is to avoid harm they are partially false or exaggerated truths uh, gray lies are used to avoid getting into trouble or protecting themselves from a threat they can be serious or self-serving. They are completely fabricated and are not socially acceptable. Real lies are malicious in nature. They carry serious consequences for other people and may lead to situations people consider unfair or unjust. Again, not socially acceptable. Pathological liars tend to tell gray lies or real lies pathological lies are told frequently and compulsively 
These lies are told to make the teller appear heroic or the victim, and the lies are not deferred by guilt or risk of getting caught. In dealing with these types of people, it's hard not to want the Pinocchio syndrome to be true, especially if you can't tell the difference between the truth and a lie. The thing about lying is that you will lose the trust of people when you, when you do that. They will never view you the same way again. It can destroy relationships. The consequences is that once they find out, it will affect how the, that person deals with you forever. You lose your value as a person. No one will believe you ever again. The type of liars that I've dealt with in the past are usually motivated by something. Either they're motivated by the fact that they want you to like them, they want you to be impressed by them, or they're scared or they're afraid of rejection, and so they lie. Usually there's a motive behind most of the people that I've met who have lied to me continuously. But I don't know how I would handle a pathological liar because they really don't have any motives. It's just, they're just, they just can't help themselves. They just can't help themselves. Lying is hurtful. It hurts others and eventually hurts yourself when you lose them due to all of your lies. I mean, I don't know how pathological liars cope with people walking away from them after finding out that every single thing about them is a lie. Every single thing they said they did was a lie. Once that person stops viewing them the way that they want to be viewed, you know, how does that make a pathological liar feel? And that's definitely something that that needs to be researched or documented because I would like to know, do pathological liars have feelings? Constantly lying is associated with array of negative health outcomes, including high blood pressure, increased heart rate, and elevated stress hormones in the blood. According to a 2015 review article. The title of the article is called The Physiology of Dishonesty. Does it impact health? And that is something that I would love to to learn a bit more about. Um, But I mean, the fact that it talks about high blood pressure, increased heart rates, and elevated stress hormones in the blood. It does sound serious to me um, to, to consider the effects of lying on people's bodies, the toll that it takes on your body every single time you lie. That is crazy. I know whenever I tell the truth, even if you know the person doesn't appreciate it, I feel a bit lighter because I put it out there and I've said it. It's on the table now. My table is full, but here's a nice little spot just for you where I'm telling you the truth, and if you don't like it, there's the door. But eventually, that truth will sit with them for a long time, and they will then start to recognize what I said as truth and accept it and move past it or move on. As human beings, we learn to adapt. So if we lie all the time, it can become second nature. We become comfortable and even lack empathy or loss of sense of guilt. Over time, the small lies become big lies. It could become larger and larger with no way of stopping. I wonder if lying could be a drug. The feeling of getting away with it could be a high for some people. Maybe even the admiration their victims express when they fall for 
the elaborated stories about their heroism or sadness they feel when you share a story where they are the victim, that kind of attention could become addictive. So coping with pathological liars or compulsive liars, as they might call them. The first point, it is suggested that you don't lose your temper because lying causes a reaction. You get a pass the first time, in my opinion. The first time you lose your temper with a liar, it's okay. After that, there's no need to lose your temper if it continues. Just move differently. That's how I would handle it. In situations such as this with some people, they might view your lack of emotions or outrage as encouragement they may think you are okay with it it really all depends on the person you are dealing with sometimes you have to yell at someone so they understand it is not okay being polite may not work and i've seen this before where i have politely tell some told somebody that you know i don't appreciate this or i'm trying to give them some sense and again Telling a fool that they're a fool doesn't necessarily work, but in this circumstances, I have tried to be polite about letting someone know that I don't appreciate something. And I would say it about three times and they're still not getting it. So when I flip the fuck out and I start ranting and raving and giving it to them for a good five minutes, then they have the nerve to turn around and say, How come you didn't say this before? After I said it three motherfucking times. So your point might get across more if you lose your temper because now you have their full attention and they now understand what you're saying. But again, it takes some time for people to change. So automatically having a conversation with them is not necessarily going to work all the time. It's going to take some time changed behavior changed habits doesn't happen overnight it doesn't just stop you're going to have to keep yelling it sometimes and that can be exhausting that's a lot of energy to put out there so in that case you know you lose your temper the first time is okay and then after that you say it in a polite way if you choose to allow this person to stay in your life that's just how i view it It's okay if you lose your temper the first time. You're not dealing with a child, you're dealing with an adult. If you're dealing with a child, you'd move differently. But with an adult who's old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, I understand. Lose your temper the first time. It's okay. You're human. The second point to coping with a pathological liar is that you can choose to confront them on the lie. Or on the lies, (laughs) because they lie a lot. But if you are not a confrontational person, you could choose to accept denial. The person you are confronting will lie upon confrontation. They may become enraged or shocked at the accusation. I will always end these types of conversation by letting them know they aren't good liars. The third point is to view it 
as most times it's not about you. The person could be struggling with a personality disorder, anxiety, or low self-esteem. And in that situation, don't make the lies that they tell about you. It's about them and what they're going through. And so once you take yourself out of the equation and view this person in that light, you tend to not take it too personal. And that's the best way to approach a situation where you are dealing with a liar, a compulsive liar, or a pathological liar. Sounds the same to me, but I guess some people categorizes people in in different boxes. And so depending on which liar you're dealing with, you can then categorize them in whatever box and understand that it's not about you and to just not take it personal. I remember being in a relationship with a guy who always liked to tell white lies. And you know, he'd brag about it. Like, it's just a white lie. What's the big deal? And keep in mind, this was over time because I allowed him to continue for months with his white lies. And then finally, I decided to confront him about it. And his response, like I said, was, what's the big deal? It's just white lies. And I said, well, if the white lies keep going over and over and over again, then it just means that you're a liar. It doesn't mean that you're you're doing it for any other benefit but to lie. It took me a while because I wasn't really offended by his white lies. I was just confused by it because in my mind, I was like, why are you giving me these white lies? Like it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't make me feel any better. So every single time he gave me these white lies, I just kind of looked at him and I realized that he's not necessarily making any eye contact with me. So really, at the end of the day, he doesn't necessarily care how I feel based on the white lie. It's how he feels that matters. And so I realized that every time he told a white lie, it really had nothing to do with me. So I didn't really get upset about it. I just approached him about it and asked him, why? Like, what what does it do for you? And then I realized it makes him feel better giving that white lie. And once I realized that, I just didn't really believe anything that comes out of his mouth ever. Even when he was trying to be nice, I just view it as a white lie. And so, you know, when the relationship crumbled after that, I, you know, gave a little white lie too. (laughs) Told him, oh yeah, let's be friends. No, that was a white lie, motherfucker. It was just to make you feel better. After this, once I leave, you will be blocked. You, I will not be present anymore. Like, let's be friends and disappear. So I understood the gesture of the white lie, but when I gave the white lie, it was more to make him feel better because I already knew that I was going to walk away completely and not look back. So that's my justification for not taking it too personal because most times it's really not about you, it's about them. The fourth point of of coping, it is suggested that you be supportive by reminding them that they do not need to impress you because a lot of liars are, are lying, especially with their heroism, to get your attention and to somehow get you to, to view them as more than they are. Let them know that you value them for who they really are. And some people are uncomfortable with who they really are, so that can be quite difficult. That's cute. You know what I mean? After a mountain of lies, I hope you can look past it all and be supportive. I am the type of person that will support you by suggesting you find yourself elsewhere. 
I am not a fan of enabling people's bad behavior, but I will send you off with support and encouragement to find yourself and become a better person because sometimes enabling people will just allow them to continue that with you because you're okay with it. You're constantly supporting them and letting them know that it's okay to be yourself. And if they're liars, then they're like, okay, she's giving me, you know, the okay to continue to lie and be myself. And so how people interpret what you're saying and your actions are not, are very different. You might be thinking you're being supportive and allowing them to learn about themselves or become who they really are and encouraging them by holding their hands but they might not interpret what you're doing the same way. And so as much as people are saying, especially on how to cope with it by supporting them, by reminding them that they don't need to impress you, most times maybe that's what they need. They need someone to to look at them with admiration and they need that. So they're going to continue to lie because it makes them feel better about themselves. Number five, don't engage them when you notice they are lying. Let them know you don't need to continue this conversation when they are being dishonest. I don't know. I've met a few people that really get off on telling their lies. And so even if you tell them that you're not interested in the conversation, it's going to start a fight. So if you're not looking for confrontation, if you're not looking for any arguments or fights, this might not really work. You have to let them finish telling their story. And while they're finished telling their story, just don't give them any reaction at all. That's how I would handle it. So they understand that I am not the best person to be coming with these stories of lies too. That's just my belief system. Not everyone reacts the same way when you come at them with a supportive um, stance or communicating your discomfort that will make them upset so in that regards i just don't i just don't entertain it i don't know how else to say it as much as i'm listing all of these coping mechanisms that you could use to deal with pathological liars in most times some of these things will not work so you will have to find a way to cope where you're both on the same page if you choose to stick around if you choose to to continue because you really do like this person and you see the good in them and so you're like i'm gonna keep pushing and hoping that they change like i said move differently move differently because the supporting thing and and being there by their sides and letting them know that you love them for who they are sometimes will not work in your favor so you need to find a way to navigate yourself and navigate the relationship that you have with this liar in some way and so as much as i'm giving you all of these these tips on how to handle it understand that it's not going to go that way depending on the person you're dealing with and number six if they are, in fact, pathological liars, suggest medical help. Again, they might not take the suggestion as, as supportive. They might not take it as you're truly being there for them or valuing them for who they are. You know, all of the stuff that you said before where you were being supportive, that's going to, to prove that it's not true. <laughs> lying to a pathological liar that is cute so much fun i wish i was a fly on the wall for that um but they might not take it that way so it's great that you want to hold their hand and sit down and say hey why don't you go seek help 
you know, you clearly have a disorder. So why let, let's do it together. Here's a pamphlet, you know, read up on your situation and then we'll book you an appointment to go seek medical attention for this problem that you may have. They might not take it that way. So I don't know. I would just, like I said before, support them by letting them know to do it elsewhere. And I wish you the best of luck. Go find people more like you, more like-minded. Go find other liars is my way of supporting you. A lot of people need to understand that not everyone reacts the same way you do. Not every action requires support. support. We are not all the same. So how we interpret things are very different. How we go about doing things are very different. And in that case, that's when I would say, it really would depend on how that person receives what you are saying. Diagnosing a pathological liar can be difficult because there are so many possible causes of the behavior. But understand that even if they do go off and seek help, it's going to take a long time. And they will continue to lie all the time until the medical person or me medical profession that they're dealing with that is trying to help them find a way to do that it's not just it's not going to be okay he goes for one session or she goes for one session and it she comes back and she's brand new it doesn't work that way it's going to take time you're still going to have to put up with the constant lies until the medical profession can find a way to treat this problem that this person have Plus, they lie a lot. So, how, you know, the medical profession is going to, to need more time in figuring all of this stuff out. The problem is they may actually believe their lies or be completely aware of the fact that they are lying. They just don't know. These medical professions are going to need some time in treating these people who are pathological liars if you have accomplished the goal of getting them to go and seek help and even then if they're going just to make you happy and they're not necessarily wanting to to be helped then it's a waste of everyone's time a pathological liar will need to want to help themselves genuinely from the bottom of their gut down to their toe they can feel it in their bones. They need to want and need to change and be better. But if they're not, it's gonna just, they're just wasting their time to make you feel better. Now, if you are dealing with a path pathological liar, I really wish you the best. And if this is something that you want to dedicate years of your life, you know, trying to help this person that you care about so deeply who cannot stop lying, I am sending all of my love to you and all of the strength and all of the energy in the world to have to deal with that. And so I really wanted to start this podcast episode by talking about the Pinocchio syndrome because it was such a fascinating term to hear. And I really did like it because I kept thinking, wait, before I even did the research, I kept thinking, wait, you mean like people's nose grow? <laughs> but then when I actually looked it up and did the research on it, I was like, oh, it's just like a red nose or red around the nose whenever they lie. I was like, that's kind of cute. That would be great if we could figure out when someone is lying to us by, by that happening to them. And I thought, all right, 
Well, let me dedicate this podcast episode to talking about liars and lies itself. So I really hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. I really do hope that you learn something. And if you are dealing with a pathological liar, I really hope that whatever I discuss in this podcast episode will then help you. Maybe some of the points that I that I introduced about coping with pathological liars might actually work for you. But if not, I'm just going to hope that this podcast episode was entertaining and that you learned something. So thank you for supporting the Orchid Blooms podcast. Visit our website at taonetwork.ca and our social media pages at Facebook, at The Ambitious Obsession Network, Instagram at The Ambitious Net, Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. My personal Instagram, again, is at ibrown, as well as my TikTok. Don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button and share your favorite episodes with your family and your friends. I hope you have a splendid day.